For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that one I preach on the radio, and now for many long years, almost 50 years, that gospel radio broadcasting, lifting the name of the Son whom God gave on Calvary to pay your sin debt and to pay mine, the Lord Jesus. You're listening to the Bright Spot Hour, Harold Seitler speaking, and we welcome the opportunity of visiting with you in your automobile or the 18-wheeler along the highway or into your home or shutting room. Wherever you may be, may God enable us today to be a help and blessing to each of you. Mr. Garrett at the lovely Hammond, Oregon. He keeps me singing. can give to you a melody and a song within your heart, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. Time to pray. Would you join with us as we look to the Lord in prayer today? Our Father, we thank you for the Bright Spot Hour program. We thank you for the opportunity of visiting into the homes of our listening friends. And I pray for every home and for every individual by the radio at this moment. Bless those that travel the highway and the automobile as they listen to the program today. Then I pray you may use the program to edify and to build up and to strengthen your believing children and by all means to win some to a knowledge, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. May this be the glad day and the good day when some sinner will come just as he is, repenting and believing the report and becoming converted and saved in the matchless and wonderful grace of God. The Lord supply every need that each door may be kept open. I want to thank you for every listening friend who had been kind to write to me. And with their letters of support, we appreciate it and thank God for it. Put it on the heart of many others who could well write a letter and who could easily enclose a gift to carry the good news. And I pray they may be burdened to do so. And use us this day in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Mr. Garrett at the uh, Lectured Bible Harp on the Branch of our program today, and another favorite hymn of the church. Uh, these old hymns are beautiful and, and, and li- uh, timeless, and we enjoy them and appreciate them. And she's playing for you, uh, my Savior, first of all.
thank you so much to my late grandfather and also the late Mrs. Garrett. Your Bibles are open again with me, please. Second Peter 3 and verse number 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I continue dealing with the matter of sanctification, and I've been touching on the matter of practical sanctification. I began on the program yesterday dealing with this. We saw the two bookends that Peter gives in 1 Peter chapter 1, where Peter states, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace be unto you in peace be multiplied. The other bookend given by Peter the Apostle is in 2 Peter 3 and verse number 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I was dealing with this on yesterday and trying to pre present the matter of practical sanctification in the life of the born-again believer. By the grace of God and your listenership, I will develop this on the program in just a few moments. The Bright Spot Hour is a work of faith and a labor of love. We depend entirely upon the Lord and upon God's people to enable this door of radio broadcasting to remain open. I give all I can, uh, about $7,000 a year, and I'd like to get that up at some point to $10,000 a year that I personally give to the Bright Spot Hour. So I'm not asking you to do anything that my wife and I uh, don't already do. But I cannot finance the Bright Spot Hour alone. I could be on uh, three or four radio stations, but uh, I can't finance it. The 35 radio stations were owned by myself. I would love to be on 350 radio stations, but we just don't have the money. We don't have the network availability to, uh, to do that, but I rejoice in the 35 that we're on, and I thank God for each and every one of you. So many of you send $25 or $50 a month, and if I pull that together, if we have 10 people send $50, that's 500 and uh, I pull your money together with another brother and sister's money and another brother and sister's money, and then the money that I put in, and I have a couple of other uh, people that give large amounts every month, and I pull all of that together, and we're able to have the network that we have now. So consider what you can do in prayerful and in financial support for the work of the Bright Spot Hour. During the month of March, I make available sermon number 52 by my late grandfather, The Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon. Sermon number 52. It'll come to you on a compact disc. You can have yours for a gift of $10. I also have my grandfather's sermon, Can God? This was brought on a Sunday night in 1973 at the Tabernacle Baptist Church. I was there. I was in the service that night when my grandfather brought this powerful and the most requested, the most famous sermon that my grandfather ever delivered during his lifetime. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? I'll send this to you for a gift of $10 on a compact disc. I make available 
our commentary, my granddad's commentary, 303 pages on 1st and 2nd Corinthians. 1st and 2nd Corinthians, I'll be glad for you to have this commentary on both of these wonderful New Testament Pauline letters, and it is available for $20, postage paid to your door. Now, my friend, I do need to hear from you. I, I trust that you will write to me and let me know you're there hearing the Bright Spot Hour. I certainly hope the Bright Spot Hour is a blessing and a help to you in your walk with the Lord and in your study of the infallible Word of God. Our mailing address, the Bright Spot Hour, Post Office Box Number 4, Greenville, South Carolina, 29602. Our email, all lowercase, drbencarper at yahoo.com. You can find Ben Carper or the Bright Spot Hour on social media at Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, Getter, Odyssey, and X. We continue dealing with the matter of practical sanctification. A few moments ago, I pointed out to you the two bookends that Peter the Apostle gives in 1 Peter 1 and verse number 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. At the end of 2 Peter, Peter the Apostle states, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and ever, forever. Amen. And I pointed out yesterday that it is not possible in my understanding of the scriptures and in my estimation, it is not possible that a believer can become sanctified practically that is not growing both in grace and in the knowledge, growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The matter of practical sanctification is not to be confused with piety or forms of godliness that deny the power thereof or religious ideas. I've run into people that were very religious. In fact, um, they were so religious they were superstitious. I've run into some people that were very pious and they would straighten their halo when they got out of the automobile in the church parking lot they would straighten their halo before they went into the church. And if you wanted to know how spiritual they are, they, they were, they would be glad for you to ask them because that would give them the opportunity to tell you just truly how spiritual they really are because they would be thrilled to tell you about their high, high level of religion and high level of spirituality. Now, Sanctification, true practical sanctification, is not that at all. There, in, in my mind now, there's no question that the area of practical sanctification will bring with it a certain matter of cleanliness and a certain matter of holiness and a certain matter of godliness. But I would not say that sanctification is sanitation and that sanitation is sanctification. I have run into some people, and I mean, their lives were not sanctified. Their lives were sanitized. 
Um, I mean, they didn't take a drink of coffee. And, uh, you, I mean, they didn't do anything. I heard one preacher say, if I could find a scripture against breathing, I'd preach against breathing. Well, in my estimation, that's the most stupid thing I've ever heard in my life. As the believer grows in the grace of God, as they develop their knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they develop their knowledge of the infallible scriptures, there will be an area of sanctification that will become real in their lives. The matter of sanctification will become an evidence in their lives. It'll become an evidence in their conduct. But having said that, uh, just being religious or being sanitized on the outside does not necessarily in and of itself imply the matter of sanctification. Let me see if I can, I can say it like this. In the matter of practical sanctification, there will always be an area of surrender to the work of God and the will of God. Now, a man whose life, or a woman, whose life is entirely sanitized, I mean, you would never catch her in a pair of slacks, and you'd, uh, he wears a high and tight and a crew cut, and I mean, their lives are just sanitized. I mean, they don't listen to anything but preaching 24 hours a day, and they don't have any music in their house except what, what's sung in the church. I mean, they don't even have Southern Gospel quartet music. If it wasn't sung on the platform of our church, we don't listen to it. I mean, they are, they are straight down the line. People like that sometimes become fanatics. They become vegans or vegetarians, and they, they take a whole lot of pride in what they don't do. But I question, is there really an area of surrender in a life like that? Uh, at some point, it, it begins to appear to me that life lived like that is a uh, life that is lived for oneself and for one's own promotion of, look how spiritual I am, rather than that life being lived to the honor and to the glory of God or lived to the surrender and the dedication of the Lord. I read in, in uh, Romans 12, 1, where Paul makes one of the greatest practical challenges under the operation of the grace of God I read in the Bible. Paul says in 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It would take several days to expound on the riches of this particular verse. Paul calls upon the believers in Romans 12:1, based upon the operation of the grace of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. The believers in the church at Rome already had the mercy of God. You see, the difference between law and grace can be summarized if you're trying to discern, is this, 
is this statement under law or is this statement under grace? How how do I discern is this law or grace? What I'm reading. Uh, we have the idea that under law there is no grace. There was the animal sacrificial system. And we have the idea under grace there is no law or no devotion or dedication or requirement or human responsibility. There most certainly is. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. The believers in the church at Rome were recipients of the mercies of God whether or not they dedicated themselves and presented themselves a living sacrifice unto the Lord. They had the mercies of God by the operation of divine grace. They didn't lose the mercy of God if they did not present their bodies a living sacrifice, nor did they receive the mercies of God if they did present their bodies a living sacrifice. They already had the mercy of God. The law says, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. That's law. Grace says, I have already done this. Now I'm asking you. Grace says, I've already accomplished the work. I'm now asking you. The difference between law and grace, the law gives the human responsibility first, then the divine blessing. Where grace gives the divine blessing first, then the human responsibility. So the believers at Rome were recipients of the mercies of God, whether or not they presented their bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. They already had the mercy of God. They had the mercies of God by grace. So notice Paul's challenge to the believers at Rome is not to present themselves to receive the mercies of God, nor to present themselves a living sacrifice to manifest that they had received the mercies of God. Now, sometimes when I see men that are pious and women, I say man as in mankind. I'm referring to both uh, masculine and feminine. And I see people, and it seems like they they uh, are pious and religious and and, you know, they're better than the rest of us, and they wouldn't do the things that, that uh, some of us do, and, and on and on, that they are doing what they are doing to manifest their devotion and their dedication and their surrender to everyone around them. I'm going to show these people just how good a Christian I really am. I'm going to reveal to these people just how dedicated how surrendered, how sold out I really am. I mean, when God got me, God really got a good Christian. I don't find that kind of superficial conduct in Romans 12.1. Rather, Paul's beseeching of the brethren was based upon the fact that they had already received the mercies of God. I've given 42 years of my life to the preaching of the gospel. I have read a King James Bible from cover to cover somewhere between 55 and 60 times. I've been a daily, regular Bible reader for 42 years. I've been reading the Bible. And I am no more saved because of that now than I was when I began reading the Bible. I got saved 52 years ago. And I've been 
a Bible reader for 42 of those 52 years, I've been a Bible reader. Well, I'm no more saved today because I have occupied my time reading the Bible than I was when I was a teenage boy and I began reading the Bible. Not at all. But I have grown in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ immeasurably as a result of giving my life and giving my time to the reading of the Bible and occupying my time with the reading of the Bible. These believers in Romans 12 had the mercies of God whether or not they presented themselves a living sacrifice. Secondly, in verse number 2, in the matter of sanctification, he says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sanctification is not the keeping of a laundry list of rules and regulations. Uh, conformity to the world is not in and of itself what I may or may not do. If you want to go to a Friday night football game, I have a, a young man that's a friend of mine that coaches a high school football team, a public high school football team. And he's, he's at the high school football game every Friday night. He has to be there. He's the coach. Well, I wouldn't say that he is uh, more worldly than I am or that I'm more spiritual than he is. I don't think his going to a high school football game has any any uh, anything to do with whether or not he's sanctified as a believer. Conformity to the world is conformity to the world system. Too many of our churches today, I spelled T-O-O, too many of our churches today have adopted a completely worldly philosophy in uh, their, their ideas of church growth. They have the same philosophy of the world. If we build it, they'll come. I'm going to build this apartment complex with 200 rooms in it, and, uh, and they'll come. They'll fill it up. If I build it, they'll fill it up. And that is much of the attitude and much of the idea of the world. That's conformity to the world. If I build it, the people will come. If I build it, the people will show up. I, I discover the older I get, and Solomon said, with much knowledge cometh much grief. And the more you know, the more you have to to be burdened about, the more you have to be uh, uh, to weigh on your soul and to weigh on your conscience. And the older I get, the more I understand that my way of thinking is entirely out of step with the way of thinking of this world. When our Speaker of the House, they said, what is your uh, 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 philosophy of life? And he said, open the Bible and read it. And you'll find my philosophy of life. And, and you would have thought that, that he had blasphemed when he made that statement. The way they ridiculed him because he is a Bible believer. Now my time is gone. Tomorrow we'll have a vintage broadcast of my grandfather. I'll be back with you on Monday. We trust today's message by Dr. Ben Carper on the Bright Spot Hour has been a blessing to you. Write the Bright Spot Hour at Post Office Box 4, Greenville, South Carolina, 29602. Visit the website at thebrightspothour.com. This is Mark Ferguson saying listen again tomorrow for the Bright Spot Hour. Same time, same station, same gospel. He will be way.
on his beautiful throne. He will welcome me home after the Shadows of evening shall fall after my anchor is cast. After I lift to my Savior's last call, I shall see Jesus at last. On his beautiful throne